Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. What's up, sports fans? Zach Mikosh from Denver Stiffs here. Listen, you probably have a spot in town where you like to go and watch sports, and you probably have another spot in town where you go to get good food. Well, I'm here to tell you that for me, those two spots are one and the same. Jake's Sports and Spirits, located at 38th and Walnut Street, is your one-stop shop for great sports viewing and even better food. With their 20 TVs featuring every sports package available, you're never going to miss out on your favorite team. On top of that, Jake's has a wide variety of delicious food, so whether you're looking for the best wings in Denver, a delicious sandwich or burger, or maybe even a lighter thing like a salad, Jake's has you covered. Make sure you come by on the weekends, too, for their great breakfast menu, which is served from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. Come on down and make sure to tell them the stiff sent you. He's got Boudier. Boudier. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. All right, everybody, what's going on? It's uh, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. We're back for the Pickaxe Podcast. Want to apologize real quick? We didn't uh, we didn't get to do one last week. That was my fault. I um, I was gone for the weekend, which is when we do these recordings. So it just didn't happen. Um, second apology I got to do is well, first let, let's get to the the, the introduction. Uh, we do have the fir- the very first return guest, um, return co-host on the Pickaxe podcast, uh, other than myself or Mister Mares. And that is Gordon Gross phoning in all the way from Colorado Springs. Didn't make him drive this time. Gordon, how's it going, man? Good. I try to phone in all of my uh, podcasts, so <laughs> this won't be any different. I do. I do as well. Well, I, you know, no, I'm, I'm not going to say that, actually. I'm trying to promote this podcast. I work incredibly hard <laughs> for the 15 minutes before I actually start doing this thing. Exactly. Uh, the funny, While you the, sip the, the coffee f- and donut. <laughs> I am. I do actually have some coffee right now. In fact, perfect. Um, the the funniest part about this is we we always do a trio on these things, right? And uh, we were supposed to be joined by Ryan Blackburn, but it is now it's now currently twelve forty p.m. Mountain Time on Sunday, um, which would be two forty p.m. where Ryan's at in South Carolina. And as of yet, he is no show. We know he tweeted about nine hours ago, which was five a.m. there. So, uh, you know, hopefully we're thinking Mr. Mr. Blackburn will wake up 
uh, from where wherever he's at, and uh, maybe we'll catch him on the podcast here a little bit later. Yeah, we're uh, gonna, he's like he's our lifeline call uh, once he wakes up. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. If we need, you know, but Ryan, um, Ryan doesn't give out too many of the hot takes. He's usually pretty reserved. So I don't know if. Uh, he might not be able to save us from this podcast if it's going That's south. true. We need Dan. We're, whenever Dan we, is, we can, we, we can always count on Dan for a hot take. Exactly. Um, all right, Gordon. Well, we'll just we'll just do it as a as a duo for right now. Um, and we'll get this thing going. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is is kind of barring um, and well, even last night they uh, they didn't do so bad. But the the Nuggets have always been this team who's struggled on defense, right? It's been they've been basically hands down the worst defensive team. Um, in the NBA, and this past in this past little like kind of you know not not a win streak I guess but well it was a win streak for a little while um, but these past ten or so games they've they've really been playing well and I I, I think the defense has been uh, a big catalyst to that um, really the it was in the second half of the Clippers game when I was watching that Clippers game a couple nights ago the the first half I thought was like some of the best defense they had played. And then in the second half, uh, they they were terrible. And, and coach, they looked like the team they'd always been all year. Coach coach had mentioned that as well. He was pretty critical. And usually after a win, coach is in a pretty good spirits. But he that you could tell it was almost like a loss. Um, Gordon, do you do you think there's been some improvements with with the defense? Is it uh, is it they or is this just kind of like a flash in the pan? Hey, they they played some lousy teams, and so that way that's why they didn't get scored on so bad. I I'd have to agree with uh, Coach Malone. Very up on the effort, and the effort has increased on defense. You know that's all he's been asking for all year. They're finally giving it. Mason Plumlee seems to be helping with that whole effort scenario, right. um, and that's great because it. I mean the kids are trying hard even when they make mistakes. He said that after the Rockets game. You know the kids are trying hard. They're they're young. They're gonna make mistakes, but that happens. You know when you're when you're a rookie. You're a second-year guy in the league, you know. So no, it, effort's gonna at least get them to, I don't know, not be the worst in the history of the NBA. So that'll be good, and then uh, we'll see if they can get up. You know, even if they're just top twenty the rest of the way, that's fine. That with their offense, yeah. that's fine. Man, I would, I would, might, uh, I might almost just settle for like top twenty-five, even if they could just <laughs> right. get get to that small mate of improvement. What I want to, you, you talked about Mason Plumlee there, and that, that I think is a really good observation because Plumlee is, is, I mean, he kind of the timing coincides right from when they when they picked him up, and then really obviously once he kind of got into the flow of playing for the Nuggets, it's it was since that point that really we saw some see de- defensive improvement. There was even a game. I'm trying to remember which one it won. It might have been. I'm trying to think. It was. It was, it was got to be the last game that I was at. Um, but when Jokic didn't play, he was out with the flu, and it's Plumley. So it was Plumley who started, um, and they played Plumley and Arthur at the center pretty much the entire time. And the defense right. was actually really good because both of those guys are going to be willing to hedge off the uh, off the pick and roll, something that Jokic doesn't really do. And and I I think that, like what you said about like effort I also see it as is in terms of like aggressiveness like they're just they're playing a more aggressive defense especially on that pick and roll when they've got a guy like Plumlee in there um, absolutely and one of the things that I like with Plumlee in there because he's also aggressive on offense with setting screens with doing other things um, it's also helps translate 
some of the non-cutting and non-screening that we were seeing from the Nuggets earlier isn't there anymore. Right now, they're all moving fast. The Rockets announcers were thrilled. I mean, watching the Nuggets game, they were like, this is the best game we've had all year. This is tremendous. We love this game. Um, it was nice to see them appreciating the Nuggets movement and how um, everybody passes, everybody cuts. Um, a lot of the, the selflessness is out there and the efforts out there. And I think a lot of that is, is tied to watching a big guy sprint down the court for transition. If the, if Mason Plumlee is beating you down the court, um, and if he's the guy coming back on defense to swat blocks, and he's the guy who's, you know, hedging hard and, and switching pick and rolls and, you know, doing everything, all the little stuff that he does, then I think it makes a big difference for the rest of the team. They all seem to play that way. Well, except for Jokic, who then gets into foul trouble and pretends he's on roller skates on defense the whole rest of the game. But. Yeah, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, I man, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because exactly, we saw it again last night right against the Rockets. Um, Jokic has this, I think he grows out of that that silly fouls, and, and as, as he grows and just kind of matures as a person um, and understands what he's doing on the basketball court a little more, I think that that probably gets a little... Uh, cleaned up. But, honestly, but honestly, I think it gets cleaned up as soon as the refs give them some respect because that's true. That, that's some true. of those Rockets fouls were ridiculous. Um, it, a lot of his foul trouble uh, against good teams comes because he's playing superstars and he's not viewed as a superstar, so he takes fouls. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think he's going to get better. And you know, you know who has some great. Uh, some great thoughts on this. I know he does because he wrote the recap last night. Is Ryan Blackburn? I have good news. He is awake. We're going to try and get him on here shortly. Um, but if I'm a little bit distracted, that's oh, why. I'm here. Just trying. Oh, Ryan is here. Ryan, are you recording right now? I am recording. Oh, see, look at th- it's just seamless. Ryan Blackburn, the pro. Ryan, welcome to uh, welcome to the show. Uh, let's get the let's get the story right now. Were you in fact just asleep, guys? I had a little bit of a Project X situation last night, <laughs> and uh, I will say it wasn't all my fault, but in fact partially my fault that I was not available initially. So unprofessional of me, but I am okay and uh, I'm ready to talk about. I'm glad you made it. Oh, thank Glad you. you made it, man. And I would applaud I, if you could hear me. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> In case you guys are wondering, uh, Project X, Brian, you are you go to University of South Carolina, correct? I do. Yeah, and you're in, uh, what is it, your sophomore sophomore year there? I am. All right, so uh, me and Gordon can probably both say, we all know Project X uh, on, on Saturday, March the 18th, is probably a lot of green beer, Jameson. Um, and Bailey's Irish cream, so we won't we won't give you too much of a hard time about it. No, it was um, a rough day. <laughs> <laughs> Don't doubt it. Uh, all right, well we you know what that's fine because we were just getting into it and Ren, I wanted to talk to you, man, because um, we were just talking about Jokic and and the respect he gets or lack of respect he gets uh, by the referees, specifically last night's game. So I want I know that you you had some thoughts on. Uh, on the, the 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 officiating of last night's game. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was appalled last night. Uh, if if you saw the recap or if you saw me on Twitter, I I was very unhappy with how the refs were treating Jokic. 
there was one play, it was very evident that he wasn't getting anything, where Trevor Ariza hacked his elbow at the top of the key while Jokic was trying to uh, to get a shooting foul, and the ball popped out of his hand, and they credited Ariza with a block. Like, how, how more blatant can you get that the, the referees are just outgunning for Jokic, basically? This is this is one of the young up and coming superstars in the league, and if that was Carl Anthony Towns, then Towns was shooting ten free throws last night. Honestly, right. like I I can't I don't understand why. I don't, is it because Jokic doesn't look like a superstar? Is it because he doesn't feel like a superstar? Is it because he's only been doing this for three months? I don't really know, but think, the fact is he yeah, should yeah. he should be getting Let's, these superstar calls, and I. I don't see the reason why he isn't even getting normal calls. Right. I think he, I think it is just because it's been three months. Because if you remember, too, last season, it wasn't like he played his full rookie season. I mean, we all saw it because we watched the Nuggets every day. Um, but I think Jokic still league-wide is, is a relative unknown, including with the officials. He's, I think maybe he's getting to the point now, certainly with the fans, with, with NBA writers, um, he's got that recognition. But I, I, that's what I would probably chalk it up to. Uh, more more than anything. Um, yeah, I said last night that I was hoping that he would get some NBA thirteen votes, so people can, you know, start to realize that he's actually pretty good, and maybe he can get some some of those foul calls that he needs, or not get the touch foul calls that other superstars don't get either. Yeah, you know what? That's uh, that's, that's good. We're gonna go. We're gonna go off off the rail here just a little bit because I want to talk about that. Let's see. Um, third, third team in all NBA. So we're talking, obviously he plays at the center position. Um, who else are you putting? Who's, who's first and second team all NBA in that scenario? Well, I think you probably have to go to Marcus Cousins at the center position, uh, yeah. for first team. And maybe that's not necessarily due to the amount of wins that he accumulates as a team. Then that's been especially evident with the Pelicans, but, uh, the production that he puts up is unprecedented and, He's earned that, so it I'd, depends. I don't. I don't know that he's necessarily going to qualify as a center. I mean, uh, really, he well, uh, uh, he doesn't always play center. He definitely has um, power forward in him as well. Is one of the problems with Anthony Davis is which one of those guys is going to play center. Um, if you're not viewing him as a center, uh, we'll see. But still, on the on the All NBA, you've got to put uh, Gasol on there. Marcus not Powell. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, not 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 Powell. Let's see, as Marcus uh you know, Marcus one of those guys. He never like, I mean, he puts up good stats, but it's not like you. I guess twenty and six, man. That's twenty and six is okay. Impressive. Yeah, twenty six okay. And what's he shooting from three this year? Thirty eight percent. That's uh, that's incredible. That's right, especially for a guy who never shot. Uh, first, yeah, maybe I could see. It. I mean, I guess so. You got cousins, even if you got cousins and Gasol. Say those are both your two centers. You know, right. Then you could get a guy like Hassan Whiteside on there, or you could get Hassan, a guy like. Could you get Towns on there? I mean, you could get Towns, uh, and that would be unfortunate because Jokic is leading a playoff push, and Towns is still stuck in, stuck in the Towns cellar. But uh, yeah, but Towns puts up twenty four and twelve. Uh, right. So that's. But see, you know, if Jokic played, probably, you know, but if we were to, we're not going to, well, this is going to be like a three-hour podcast, we keep going this way, but uh, if you, I bet you if you looked at their per 36 numbers between Towns and uh, Jokic, you'd probably see pretty similar, similar production. I bet per 36, Jokic pretty close to 24 and 12 as well. Just so, just right. so you know, Jokic, Jokic is it, uh, and I know this off the top of my head, Jokic as of the other night was at 
21 and a half, 12 and 6, which has never been done for 36 years in this league. Wow. So yeah, exactly. So he's, what, that's what, that's 60, yeah. 60%. Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell. That's yeah. He's, 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 he's unbelievable. He's the beast, man, no doubt about it. Um and so, you know, Jokic is and he's been playing so great right now that that's really I think the number one reason right now. The Nuggets are 7 and 4 uh in their last last 11 games. Uh, boy, close last night, man. If Will Barton, if Will Barton makes a shot that he makes uh, quite a bit, who knows? Maybe that game goes to overtime. And, I don't uh, even put that on Will Barton, and I, I don't know if you guys have talked about that before. No, in this we podcast. haven't. But uh, I can't, I can't put it on Will Barton when the team goes nineteen of thirty from the free throw line. Oh yeah, yeah, no, and I'm not saying put it on Will Barton at all. Absolutely, I'm just saying it's that's how close it was. I mean, that's Will Barton's what he's right in the lane, maybe two feet from the basket and he, he it's that little floater shot which is always i always think is a lower percentage shot and no matter who's he, shooting it. he did have a terrible game don't get me wrong i got, yeah, i wrote about that true. in my recap like if you go two of 13 then you're gonna hear from it from me but uh especially if you're one of nine from three like the the problem with barton is that he took that hard fall and i think the second quarter and i think he lost all aggressiveness to the rim he only had four field goals inside the paint yeah or no, in, inside the three-point line last night. And that's the problem with Will Barton is that he'll have these Jamal Crawford-esque stat lines where he just keeps jacking up the outside shot. And uh, mm-hmm. we can't have that as a team. It's yeah. We, we well, need to be working a... for these great shots. And if we don't, then we're going to lose every time. Here's and here's the thing too uh, about Will and, and why why that I think happens is the la- the two previous games he he had monster outings right he had a career high in scoring yeah um, and then and then he doesn't uh, then of course he he thinks he's just gonna he keeps shooting like that and then he ends up having a game like this um, he just he just has Jamal he just has Jared Smith uh, there's enough Jared Smith in Will Barton that he has a rational confidence he's gonna go ahead and make all these shots and they don't when they don't fall. Um, he doesn't always remember to just go to the lane or stop shooting because shooters shoot. But last right. night at the end of the game, I mean, that was a perfect screen uh, three for Will. He just didn't fall. And down yeah. the lane yeah. was a perfect two to go ahead and get that, that finish, and it didn't work. But I wouldn't have – those are two good shots. I'm not – the end of that game was fine for me. Those are the shots that you want. We just didn't hit them. If you hit them, it's a different yeah. game. Yeah. The only thing, oh, I I wish too on that on that Rockets game just right there at the end. If I was going to have one critique of Will, particularly on that play, would be man, like just go go hard to the rack with that because agreed. You you can a he's he's got a good the guy can obviously finish at the rim, and then he's he's a good free throw shooter as well. So I just like I, said, I just hate that floater shot, man, especially in that situation. Um, so what do you guys think is the Gordon, I'll ask you first, man. You know, they had all this momentum, right? They've been playing so well. Uh, and then they lose this thing, this kind of heartbreaking game last night uh, against the Rockets to close out this bunch of bunch of games at home. Now they basically are playing almost every game on the road uh, to finish out. Or they're at home. You know, they got a home game against Cleveland here on Wednesday. Um, one of the toughest opponents you can have. So is the momentum killed now are you are you concerned that like have they have they done enough to to make it to the playoffs i don't know that i'd say momentum's killed it this whole stretch has been playoff like which is good you want to try to win them all they're going to be hard go out there and play hard if you lose a close tough game to a great opponent can you bounce back those are the learning curves i want 
uh, my kid's butchery. That's why they worked so hard to go ahead and make this playoff run, was to give the kids the taste of games that matter, which Denver hasn't had in four years. Right. You know, where where winning actually means something other than, hey, I put good stats up, I can go into free agency and make some money. You know, that's that's not what it's about, and they're trying to show these kids how to win night. So a loss like that I don't think kills momentum, and if it does, then they need to learn from that situation next year that it can't kill momentum. Um, what's really going to be tough is that it's not that the games are on the road, it's that they're playing a lot of really tough teams. That's true. They've got, they've got a lot of tough games coming up, so they're going to have to get up for all of these games. Uh, but as far as momentum uh, being killed by losing a game, no, that's that's not how that works. At least it shouldn't be. To get yeah. in the playoffs, I'm not sure that they've done enough yet, but that's just because you never know what the guys behind you are doing. Um, I mean, it, me, yeah, go ahead. Say, well, I was going to say, I wanted to get Ryan's opinion on this too, because Ryan, when we podcasted last time, which was like three weeks ago, you said you kind of laid out an 11-game stretch for me. You said, okay, this was right before they played Memphis, and then they won those two back-to-back games. The next day, they had the two back-to-back games, uh, Chicago and Milwaukee, which Jokic has the back-to-back triple-doubles they win. right? So you said back then, you said they got to go 2-3 of three on those, mm-hmm. and then they got to go 5-3 and three over the next eight, which was the seven of eight games at home. They end up doing that. But doesn't it feel like a little bit to you, like, man, once once we, we, we secured a winning record over these eight games – um, when we beat the the you know Clippers B squad, uh, like I was like, man, if we just get this Rockets game, then like how huge is that? Doesn't it feel like there's a little bit at least of like a, a letdown now because they couldn't get that win last night? Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's always better to go six and two than just to go five and three on a stretch like this. <laughs> like uh, that is that is hardcore analysis by Ryan Blackburn. <laughs> well, I mean, when you when you think about it, a team like the Rockets. They were coming in on a back-to-back. This was a game that the Nuggets potentially could steal. And at the at the time, this was the last home game in the stretch. But uh, or actually, scratch that. We'll have we'll have Cleveland a little bit later. But uh, yeah, not holding out hope Wednesday. for that one. Uh, this this was a game that the the Nuggets definitely could win with Houston coming in on a back-to-back. But uh, injuries kind of hit. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, although he did come back, was. I don't think he was really the same player that he was uh, before. Well, you go from you go from playing in one game after you haven't played for like two and a half, almost like three weeks, right? And then you go from that to the next day, hey, you're going to play a game, um, what, two days later. So I think probably, even though, you know, even though you think, oh, I only got some rest, they didn't play until Thursday, or they played last on Thursday. Oh, I don't, I don't I blame him probably... for that. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, he's, right. he's earned the right to take it slow to get back into this. But the, I mean, the problem is the Nuggets just need him desperately and they needed Daniil Gallinari and Wilson Chandler last night when Jameer Nelson was the only player playing like he gave a crap. Like it was, so, it was such a sad. Yeah. That's, they, they, that goes back to the consistency thing, right? With the Nuggets. They, they, uh, sometimes you get these, these amazing uh, games effort wise right. and just overall. And then some games they, um, now they play like they did last night. Uh, now, of course, they go on the road uh, to play Houston again on Monday. Then it's Cleveland. Uh, and then we go down and we get a big road stretch there um, as we get into April. Ryan, what do you think, man? Are, are, have they, uh, are you, where are you feeling right now about them making the playoffs? Is it, I mean, 
Portland's obviously the biggest concern. Uh, have they done, are they, uh, do you think they've got enough to get over the hump on Portland? Is there anybody other than Portland you're concerned about? Well, I've been taking a look at this for a while, and uh, I've, I've kind of broken down this this little bout in a, in multiple stretches. And the Nuggets are in the first of three stretches right now that's going to really indicate where they are and if they will win, if they will win this fight for the eighth seed. Uh, they needed to go one in three against uh, this Houston, Los Angeles Clippers, Cleveland stretch where you have play Houston twice. And they've already won one of those games. So if they could win another one, great. It'll set them up well. Uh, if not, then it's okay. They still have the uh, they still have ability to get there. Uh, where it really comes down to is this seven of eight games on the road, where they they play New Orleans twice. They play uh, they play Atlanta my or not Atlanta Miami for sure. I think they play Charlotte. Miami, uh, Charlotte. They get Houston again on the road. Yeah, and that's that's going to be really indicative. They need to go. Actually, that's a, that's a six of seven. I apologize. They need to go at least three and four uh, on that stretch because that's not as tough of competition on this, but still pretty solid competition. So they need at least three of right. those games. If they can get four, awesome. If they can get five, even better. The last four right. games are going to be really interesting because it's New Orleans again, then you have Oklahoma City, then you have Dallas on the road, and then Oklahoma City again on the road. We don't know what the Western Conference playoff picture is going to be like, but we have to assume that Oklahoma City is going to be playing hard for those games. Yeah, you would think, right? You would think they'd be uh, right there with uh, the Clippers trying to get that last, um, well, not the last one, obviously that's the Nuggets spot, but uh, trying to get the sixth seed instead of the seventh seed. Yeah, I'd, and Memphis I'd, is right I'd there really as well. I'd right? have to think so at this point, but... Those games, the Nuggets could realistically go four and zero or zero and four, and will probably decide whether they make it. Yeah, well, so I think, uh, well, I guess okay, Gordon, I'll, I want I want to get your opinion on this too. Um, kind of looking at that that schedule breakdown, what do you think? Um, as far as have they like? Uh, again, again, is there anybody other in Portland you're worried about? And, and do they? What what do they got to do? Um, to kind of get to get there, I guess. I still think it's important. Um, I mean, it could be Dallas. Uh, they have the right coach for it. Yeah, but yeah. here's the thing, though. I, I was looking at it too. I'm with you. Like, if there's one other team, it's like Dallas, right? But man, even Dallas, it looks it's a tough sledding. Yeah, well, not all the teams really have a, a pretty rough schedule to end. But for me, the it's going to be the Trailblazers or the the Nuggets. I would assume, and the Trailblazers yeah. already made their run last year to know what it takes. A, a giant run to get to the playoffs. They, they oh, did yeah. That. So, because they've done it and we haven't, my guess is that may split the difference there, but we have the lead. So we can we can not do as well as them down the stretch and still pull that out. Um, but for me, I'm, I don't know, I'm 60% Nuggets going to make the playoffs. Not, I don't, I, they're the favorite for me, but not by a lot. Uh, and that's okay with me. Like, either way, this stretch they need to have this year, if you make the playoffs, great. If not, no skin off my nose. Go win the lottery. That's fine. I don't... Go, go win the lottery with what the uh, uh, with the last the, spot. Yeah, it'll be the, fine. Uh, <laughs> what, are, what are the odds on that? Like point nine percent or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty well. They they lowered it after uh, Orlando. Yeah. See. 
Of course they did, because that's just the way the Nuggets go. So okay, yeah. let's let's assume. So I think both of you guys kind of feel like they, they at least have a pretty good shot. I'm, I I agree. So I don't think somebody was like I said. I think it was uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody was showing kind of had a breakdown of hey, here's how many wins these guys, what record these teams have to have to get to a certain amount of wins. And I, and I said on a roundtable yesterday, I said eh, the Nuggets probably need about 41 wins um, on the season, which would mean they have to get nine more. Which I, well, I think at that time it was nine. Now it would be eight because they got the the win against the Clippers. Um, and and I looked at it and I said, now when I think about it, it's, it's really they got to get they got to get seven. I think seven wins, which gets them to forty and forty two on the season. Um, I think that's right. I, I is, think it's is, 40. is what it takes, right? And so. <sighs> Seven wins. So Ryan, in your breakdown, basically, so in that last four, right, you have them winning one out of that first four, which was the Clippers. Well, actually, if you're counting the Clippers game, so then that would need to be eight wins. Um, and then you got they got to go three or four. So that, yeah, that really means they got to go four and zero oh on that. That, uh, that last stretch is going to be really indicative. Like if they go one of four in this in this tough stretch, and then they only get three of the seven in the six of seven, then yeah, they do right. have to go. They are going to have to go four and zero, but if they do pick up an extra couple of games there, then that means they only got to go two and two, or they, or they have to go one and three if they do really well, or if they pick up a game here and two out two extra on the road. But it's it's all about trying to set yourself up for doing as well as possible, and that's why this Houston loss hurts so much because you had an opportunity to really save yourself an extra game, and You're right. it's. Like with with all the momentum that the Nuggets have had and that have, they have built recently, you you got to do everything you can to uh, to to just scratch your way past. I'm struggling with my words over here, but uh, yeah, no, uh, I but I get what you're saying, and I, I was what I want to say is like you know, so if if the if the thing is seven wins. Like, I can see a way they get there, right? They can get the win. They could get one. Their first win could be against the Pacers on the road. Pacers aren't that good. They, you know, beat the snot out of them in London. Um, you can beat the Pelicans at home. That's two. You can you can hopefully get that Hornets game on the road. That's, like, that's probably one of the most questionable, but that's three. You can get the Pelicans on the road again. That's four. Then you get the Pelicans on home again. That's five. Then you've got Oklahoma City at home. That's a questionable one, but if you can get that, that's six. And then you take care of business against Dallas on the road, um, and there's your seventh win. So it's it's doable. Um, yeah. But it's but the thing is, is what we've seen about the Nuggets all all throughout the season, right? Is that's yeah, it's so easy to say. Well, we just get this, you just get that. You know, this one's a little questionable, but if you pick it up. But at the same time, you know what? They might that we're picking them to beat that. That means they beat the Pelicans three times in a row. Well, they they easily easily could drop one of those games against the Pelicans, especially a team like that. It's got like Cousins and Davis, you know, they're, they're just... And it's you know, it's why that I definitely think that you have to consider that the Nuggets have... They've beat some pretty solid teams over the past past couple of weeks, and they they could pull one out against Cleveland, or they could go into Miami, and they could they could beat out the the Heat. Uh, we're not, we're not yeah. giving them those games. We're actually just penciling in a loss for most of those. And, right, yeah. Uh, in in the down the stretch, I don't know if we could do that again. Like with this team, this team is so inconsistent that they could win the games that they're supposed to lose. So they could. They could you beat. can't. You can't pencil them in for anything. The whole year they've been winning games, they're supposed to lose losing games. They should absolutely, in no way, ever lose. Which is, so, which is yeah, I totally totally agree with you, and it's why I don't really feel bad for them if they don't get into this race. No, that's that's what happens in, with a young team. You just deal with it. 
You know, the the race for the playoffs is fine. Making the playoffs is less important to me than how they play, how the kids adapt, whether they can keep it close, whether they can keep their energy up for the next, you know, yeah. three weeks of the season. Yeah, no, I'm with I'm with both of you guys on that. Um, let, and we'll I want to we'll, I want to save kind of hold on to that thought. We'll actually close out the show with we'll talking a little bit about how hey what what does it take for the season to be um, a success for Denver? Uh, let's say they get to the playoffs. Gordon, I'll ask you first, man. San Antonio or Golden State? Who would you rather see? Well, San Antonio games are boring, so <laughs> they, they they make the Nuggets look terrible. Like it comes into a slugfest and it all looks awful. And you know, yeah. But what yeah. about this? Wouldn't it be sweet if you like you know what? What if like Jokic puts up three straight triple doubles and the Nuggets uh, push it to seven games? Then then I you know you can ask Popovich, are you sure you don't know who Jokic is? Uh, okay, that would be great. I would also like a pony. And uh, <laughs> right, uh, come on, man! Like it, it for these, we're trying to win one of the games. Um, Golden State will be a more interesting game. Um, it brings yeah. more national attention because even so, nobody still watches the Spurs. Exactly. So first round. correct. So you'll get to see more people. You'll get to have more fun. Um, the Nuggets have more interior presence than the Warriors do, so what the Nuggets do well, they should be able to do well against Warriors. Yeah, I know I I agree with you, actually, if I'm talking, if I'm thinking, A, who would I rather watch them play, and B, who do I think they actually have a better chance to steal a game against, it's definitely the Warriors, because the Warriors, um, they give that, they go, they kind of play into the same style as the Nuggets, right, and then you get, the Nuggets are such an offensive, uh, have so much uh, offensive firepower right now that, uh, they can um, they can win. They can steal a game just by flat out outscoring the other team. Ryan, what about you, man? Who would you who would you rather see? No, I definitely agree. I would definitely say the Warriors are the are the more likely team that the Nuggets could actually win one or two games against. And I mean, right. maybe they win three or four, but I I sincerely doubt it. <laughs> uh, so. Well, it's it, you know, wouldn't it be cool? Because I, I, there's so many parallels uh, that I see with this team. Um, in this kind of era of the Nuggets and those early '90s teams, of course, Ryan, I know you. Uh, boy, you were, yeah, well, you were, you were, you were just, uh, just learning how to probably um, just a leeway talk full full sentences, which you, you know, <laughs> we're still trying to get you to figure that out now. But oh, no, yeah. um, <laughs> it's. Uh, but I think about those early '90s teams, and um, I see a lot of similarities with this, like youth. And, and and this upstart team that end up you know can, finds a way to get into that eighth seed of the playoffs and and but then of course what does that team do in uh, what was it ninety four they uh, they go out and and beat the Sonics the first ever eight seed to beat a one seed so, right um, maybe I guess you know it, it, crazier things have happened I guess is is what I'm saying they could if we, for all we know they could go play the Warriors and beat the Warriors in a four game series I'm not going to Vegas and uh, putting any money on that uh, that's <laughs> for sure but. Um, well, hey, well, the, the odds would be astronomical, so you might be you might <laughs> be true. well well done to be able to do that. A ten dollar bet might like pay off at least fifteen hundred bucks or something like that. <laughs> um, let me so let's we'll we'll just go with that. What would you guys set the line at? I guess since we all picked the Warriors, uh, Gordon, I'll ask you first, man. Uh, if you're going to put the line over under wins the Nuggets get against the Warriors in a playoff series, where would you put it at? 
zero point five. That's yep, exactly that's where I was going to say. Yep. Yep. Okay. With the Spurs, I mean, obviously you couldn't really go any, go any lower. You would have to go <laughs> with the Spurs as well. Um, I tell you what, I think I think the Nuggets could get one against the Spurs just because this is just kind of a it would be like a, a betting superstition. Uh, the Nuggets have played played twice against the Spurs when they during the the Carmelo Anthony era. Uh, both times go down to San Antonio for game one and beat the Spurs and get everybody all excited, especially one year the Spurs were a three seed, the Nuggets were a six seed. Uh, you know, everybody's stoked. Oh man, we got, we got, we stole game one. Like it's gravy. We're going to, we got this series series is at least going seven games. Uh, Spurs then follow up with four straight wins. Well timed. So. I could see it. I it would just be it would you know be almost poetic if the Nuggets would get the Spurs. They go down there. They put up like 135. Popovich is like super angry, uh, giving one word answers at the the mid game TNT interviews, and uh, then they just come back and absolutely obliterate them. I could see it. Do you know um, Jokic? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. And that would be it. Um, all right, it's just, just one more thing I want to touch about on the playoffs. So let's say they don't get in uh, and, and they miss it short. Would you guys – there's certain guys like – so they traded away Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, that was there, – there's a lot of things about maybe whether Nurkic would work or not, but uh, you gave up a first-round pick, right, and all these things. You could have you at least held on to him uh, for the rest of the season and then maybe try to get something. Who knows? But then you also – you're also benching uh, Emmanuel Moutier right now who's, you know, 20 years old. Um was the seventh overall pick just a year ago? It's the Nuggets are kind of in a sort of way. They're they're going with Jameer Nelson. They're going with the, they want the vets like Wilson and Gallo, uh, Fareed. They want these guys to be happy. Right? And I think just just my feeling, my my speculation on this is that those guys are absolutely happy or happier when Jameer Nelson is playing the point guard for them because they uh, they can trust him on the court and they they know he knows how to run the offense. It's evident. Uh, Exactly. So, but Ryan, do you think like are the, are the Nuggets selling out? Almost is is it worth it that they're kind of like selling out to make it to the playoffs? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe that's not even the thing. They're but they're they're all in, right? They're, they they pushed are, all the, the eggs in that basket. It is very clear that they are all in. Uh, what I would say is that I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because the right guys are still playing. You have. Jokic, who's still being the focal point. You have Gary Harris, who's still in the lineup every night and is getting, like, he got 41 minutes last night, I think. So he's he's getting the playoff experience, and he's getting the necessary time yeah. to continue developing and being better. Jamal Murray played a role last night. I don't know if it was a good role, but he did play a role. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I know Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler were out, but Juancho Hernan Gomez played a role, and he... he led the team in points at the half. So he uh, he's getting some good recognition, uh, and he's getting some good playing time. Those are the four guys that, down the line, I, I know that the Nuggets should be playing. And who else do you have beyond that that really deserves playing time? You have Emmanuel Moutier, who played himself out of the rotation, and you have right. Malik Beasley, who can't play if if you play Jameer Nelson and Will Barton you cannot play sure. Beasley so I guess I guess I get the kind of the question so it really when it comes down to youth like I said also I mean um what's that I guess yeah like I said they traded Nurkic which I think some in some ways also uh 
kind of fits into that. Hey, we want to make the playoffs philosophy, but you know, I think we all know the, the Nurkic story, and, and and there was more to that. Um, Gordon, though, I mean, what about you think as well? Because like, like, let's because let's be honest here too. Wancho is not playing if Gallo and, and Chandler are healthy, especially with Farid healthy now. Like Wancho is just not playing. Um, would you would you rather to you would it be more would you rather them maybe playing guys like Wancho and Moutier over maybe like a Will Barton um, over a Jameer Nelson or or are you happy that they're kind of they're going all in on the playoffs? Um, I still wish they would have traded somebody at the deadline. Um, yeah. I think that would have yes. cleaned up a lot of problems. Yeah. But um, because they did not do that, this is the next best scenario if you're going to be playing. You can't go down the stretch trying to um, face plant, which is what you'd be doing if you just said, well, look, we're just going to not play Wilson Chandler so that um, Wancho can play, and we're going to not play uh, Jameer Nelson more than 15 minutes a game so that Emmanuel Media can get 30, and then we'll tank. You can do that, but if you were going to do that, you had to do that at the deadline and trade some people. So by not doing that, this is what you have to do. The deadline says we're going all in, so you go all in, and you make sure what your offense should look like next year. You, you're you trying to get Jameer Nelson to fit the role that you want a point guard to be in next year, to playing next to Jokic. You're trying to get uh, Murray to understand, you know, here's what we need you to do. You want Jokic to understand the whole offense goes through you, man. Like, don't forget to be aggressive. You know, that's that's important. So you're, you're trading your guys for next year. Um, some of them aren't going to be here, which is my issue with keeping them now is that instead of Wancho getting to work with uh, with uh, Jokic for the next, you know, for an 800 minutes at the end of the year, he gets to sit on the bench and watch people. Except for, you know, when other people are injured. But I think they're they're going about this playoff run a little um, inefficiently. But I don't have a problem with them doing it. Like, this is... Moutier has to learn how to play, you know. Nurkic wasn't going to play with them anyway, like you said. They were absolutely right about Plumlee being the right fit at backup yeah. center. And yeah, at you know playing some power forward, that's absolutely the right call. They were right about that. We may have overpaid for it, but they were right about the guy they wanted. We're about to overpay him in free agency for that. you know. But you're trying to set your team up to succeed, so you need to get your pieces right. So for me, the, the pieces are right. You, you know, like, like Ryan said, you understand that Jokic is, is the key. That was the whole most important thing that happened this year, was that everybody figured out that Jokic is the man, and that everything that Denver's going to do in the next half decade is around Jokic. So that's right. good to know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, and I, I just uh, what, what kills me about it, I guess, is probably Moutier more than anything, because it's like, man, we gotta. Not, I mean, this is not. Um, these these are games that like like that he should be getting the experience in as well, and I get it that he's. He's hurting him though. If you look at the on-off numbers uh, for Moutier, um, when he's uh, compared to you know comparing it to Jameer Nelson ever since Jokic became a starting lineup, it's not all that that big of an effect. And I made the comment the other game that I was at, uh, I made it to Matt Moore and to um, Harrison Wynn, Adam Mares, of course, of Denver Stiffs. Matt's with CBS, uh, Harrison with BSN. But we, um, I was like, are the Nuggets really that different or that much better? With Jameer Nelson uh, playing point guard than they are with Emmanuel Moutier, like I, they're still just as inconsistent. They still can't defend anybody. When Moutier was in there, they That's were true. still scoring tons of points. You know, so it's like I don't, 
I get it. I get it. Like, I totally get why they're going. And if the Nuggets make the playoffs, I'm going to be stoked. I just, to me, that it, here's the thing. It's because it's exactly what you said, uh, Gordon. It's like if, if get, these guys like Gallo, uh, there's there's a good chance he's not on the team next year. Uh, Jameer Nelson, at, at best, has one more season on the team. Wilson Chandler uh, is probably not in the long-term plans. Kenneth Fareed, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Will Barton, again, maybe, maybe not. Will Barton, after next season, is going to want to get paid. Um why not? Like, if we're gonna be the same inconsistent team who's gonna try and inconsistently, let's be honest, sneak into the playoffs in a down year for the eighth seed, like, why not see if you can get it done with these young guys, with all the young guys, and just roll with it? Um, because you know, and, and Wilson Chandler might be upset, Danilo Gallinari might be upset, Jameer Nelson might be upset. They all might be upset, and I get that from a veteran standpoint because these guys are in the primes of their careers or towards the back end of their careers, and they want to win now. They're not here to just that you know they're not here to raise the next generation of guys who are going to replace them. I get that, but from a standpoint of what's the long term view of the Nuggets, like I, I just go with these guys. I think, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's just not what they're doing, I guess, so. Well, and, and I think it would have been different if this was last year, and it took, you know, what was last year's 44, 45 wins to get in the playoffs? Right, right. You know, exactly. then the Nuggets aren't there, and they can go ahead and sell off and tank, and it would have, in my opinion, and I've said this all year, it would have been better for them to be able to play a bunch of young guys, lose games, um, do one more year of a tank, and get a really, really good top 10, maybe top 5 pick. This would have been the year for that, um, but they didn't want to do that. I mean, the crowds were like you could count by the individual dozens of people in the crowd. You know, it may have been a business decision that you've got to go play. You can't trade anybody. We're winning. You know, yeah. there are some fans coming back to the Pepsi Center. You know, you, you still have to make a product. You still have to do something. You know, Hickey got fired for doing the the process, so it's not right. like right. that's some guarantee there. And, and how many of the guys from the process are working out? Like. It's true. Well, if they could ever stay healthy. Uh, well, that's we, the question. That's, that's the problem. We don't know. I mean, uh, uh, Jaleel Okafor, we can probably say, uh, was not too good. Was was Michael Carter Williams a hinky draft pick as well? I think he was the first uh, one. Yeah, I believe yeah? he was. Okay, so he, he didn't really work out. Otherwise, I mean, Embiid looks amazing whenever he can play, but he might end up being kind of like a Greg Oden and just never becomes a big-time uh, player. Ben Simmons, we obviously don't know about. Dario Saric is uh, looking like a decent player. but uh, I like Dario. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's a pseudo or pseudo Wancho. I look okay. We could talk about Dario for for quite a bit, guys. Here, but uh, <laughs> as much as as much as our our listeners love the Philadelphia 76ers, I'll, we'll tell you what tell you what we'll do. We'll go on a break, um, and then we'll come back. We'll we'll talk with Nuggets. We are, I think we covered the Houston game pretty well, but I want to talk a little bit about the other two games they played um, this past week. Um, we'll talk, and then I want to talk a little bit more about just the season overall and uh, and and we, how we, where we go towards the playoffs here. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. 
Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. All right, guys, welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast. We do have Mr. Gordon Gross all the way from Colorado Springs and the the late riser today, Ryan Blackburn um, from South Carolina. The the theory is green beer is the reason Ryan was joining us a little late today, but that's all right, Ryan. We still snatched up a leprechaun. <laughs> there you go. Um, so let's you tell you what, guys. Like I said, we talked a lot about um, the Rockets game. The Nuggets play two other games at the L.A. and L.A. Uh, back-to-back, Lakers and Clippers. Um, I guess we – we. what did you guys think? And it's funny we can take this into context now because Will Barton ends up having that really rough game against the Rockets. He was having a really rough run of games before – uh, before these two LA games as well, and then he ends up scoring. He has has big scoring outings, leads the team in scoring. In fact, both those two games has a career high uh, against the Clippers. Gordon, I mean, because Will Barton is is a huge part of this team down the stretch. If they're gonna make, if they're you know, like we said, where they're going with the veterans, he's one of them. If they're gonna go with Will uh, as basically their sixth man, he's shown the capability. Uh, but then again, he, then he plays his game against Houston. And he wasn't so well. I mean, are you concerned? Do, is is Will the guy? Can he keep up the the hot shooting and be kind of like the guy he was all last season when he was a top six man of the year candidate? Um, or or you, do you have some concerns about him and and where his game's at right now? Well, I mean, Will's game is pretty much what Will's game has always been. If he's hot, he's great. Um, if he's not hot, he's not great. He's been struggling trying. to some more point guard and to not be um, Mr. Isolation off the bench, which is actually what he's really, really good at. So, the problem with with Barton is that to fit into the Nuggets more unselfish system, he's got to do things a little bit differently than when somebody said, look, we don't have any bench offense, go make me some points, which was his previous role. So, that's just a warning curve, man. I was going to say, sometimes remember last season, especially the beginning of the year when he was really, really hot. This is before they had figured out Jokic was their guy. Wilson Chandler out for the season with a hip injury. Um, the only guy they had, their top scorer was, of course, Gallo. The only other guy that they had uh, that score last season was Will Barton, especially in the beginning of the year. And so he kind of carried he carried their offense some games. What about you, Absolutely. Ryan? Do you think uh, – I mean, how concerned are you about Will? Uh down the rest of the stretch, I mean, it's it's either going to be a hot game or a not game with him. So I right. like Gordon. I'm it's, that's just who Will is, and hopefully the Nuggets can coax out a whole bunch of hot games from him, and he he brings him down the stretch, earns a playoff bid. That would be great. Uh, he's also a guy. Tell you what, man, he's also a guy who could earn you a playoff win. Like if you have one of those games in a playoff series where he just goes off. Right. And that's like that's the type of X factor he is that he can push over the top. Push Absolutely. Over the top. And 
and honestly, with with this team, I'm not even necessarily sure that Jamal Murray will play any more than 15 minutes in the playoffs. So, yeah, that's really uh, true. We'll we'll get to that point where we have a uh, we have the the crunch time, and I'm I wouldn't be surprised if Will Barton had 35 minutes and Jamal Murray at 15 because that's just how this season has gone so far. Um, next year though is where it gets a little bit more interesting. I'm um, I'm kind of concerned. I won't say concerned actually. I the three guys that I don't think will be back next year are Jameer Nelson, Will Barton, and Wilson Chandler. And I think that's a lot of turnover. I agree. But I don't necessarily think that it's outlandish that those three guys will will be gone because you have Jamal Murray who could definitely step up into that sixth man or even starting role as a as a heavy scorer and sooner or later if he's going to be his most effective that's what he has to do is he has to score that's right. what will barton does that's what wilson chandler does and for those guys right. it the real changing of the guard will be if if the team feels comfortable with jamal murray getting into that scoring role because then how obsolete does that make will barton well, I think it, it, it makes him um, less uh, less impactful, for sure. But I think also, at the same time, Will Barton's not a bad guy to replace Jamal Murray um, off the bench. If Jamal's your starter, Will's another guy, good ball handler, good shooter, can create on offense. He's another guy who you can um, maybe turn that over to. Maybe it's a little bit better of a fit than, say, an Emmanuel Moutier. It's interesting, Gordon, you also said that you, you agreed Jameer Nelson, Will Barton, and Wilson Chandler. You think of those three guys because I, I I don't necessarily agree with you guys, but I'll say this is if if I if I'm building the team, that's what I want to do. Is that kind of the viewpoint you're you're looking at it from? Well, it really depends on what you want out of your point guard. You can't. It's very hard to run a playoff team with no veteran point guard. But they yeah. can always trade for somebody like um, Ricky Rubio to be your sure. veteran point guard, so that it's no longer Jameer. Um, Rubio plays better defense, for instance. So can't shoot a lick, <laughs> if you're, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, you have a bunch of kids that you're trying to show how to do things. Um, it's possible that Jameer comes back next year, but if he does come back next year, I think next year is still his last year here. So at some point, you're either turning this over to people or you're reworking how you your veteran. And like you said, you could you could make Will Barton that. Uh, He's a scoring guard now, plays a little small forward, and uh, I mean Jameer's a scoring guard. So yeah, absolutely, um, Jameer does a good. I mean, um, I mean he he does a good job of setting up the offense, you know. Uh, but he's you're right. I mean Jameer Jameer doesn't have he's not shy about looking to shoot. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and it's I mean you have Jamal too. So all your guards are scoring yeah. guards. You're not really all that concerned. Um, with the rest of their game because Jokic makes this whole offense work anyway. So, you know, I think Barton's very important for the playoffs this year. Uh, I think they could keep Barton, but the only value that they have the team as trade assets is really this summer. You know, we couldn't move um, any of them this past uh, trade deadline, so I don't expect us to be able to move them next trade line. So you might as well go ahead and move them this summer if you're going to move them, and that would be Chandler's on his last year. And Barton's on his last year. And because I still expect us to re-sign Gallo, that means at least one of those guys has to go. So that's what I was going to – I wanted to get at too because you, you talked about um, 
Because you know, I noticed you said it was, so I guess we're all considering Gallo. Because I mean, Gallo is the one I look at it. So if you look at it for more of a uh, not so much a, a team fit, uh, best direction. Because uh, I, I like where your guys' heads at on that. Uh, I think if you look at it for more of a uh, what makes sense financially versus what they actually the mobility the 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 liquidity, uh, which is terrible because these are these are people. They're not like business assets. But uh, that's, <laughs> I guess you say the, the how how easily it is to kind of move these guys or how easily it is to move on from them. Gal is the easiest one to move on from, right? He's a free agent. You just don't offer him a contract, and he's gone. Correct. Um, all the other three guys are still under contract, varying degree. Well, Wilson's the only one who goes past next season, right? He's got two. Uh, that's a player left. option. No, that's a player option. He's only oh, so he's he has, gonna be gone next year. So he has a player option. Okay, so yeah, exactly. So you got one more season with all three of these guys. That makes a that makes their their contracts um, a little a little more dicey to get rid of, especially at the deadline. You're right, Gordon, because at that point they're all expiring deals, not as valuable as they used to be. Uh, in the NBA, I think Will Barton is a guy. Certainly, a team that you, uh, a team who's on the rise. Maybe, maybe a team like uh, New Orleans, for example, or somebody like that. And I mean, obviously, you have to figure out assets and whatnot. But somebody like that could be interested in Will Barton in the off season because he's uh, he's he's got a very affordable contract. You can fit him in right now, and then kind of you know get him, figure him out down the road. Okay, how do we get pay his uh, his new contract? I think Wilson Chandler. Um, this kind of the same. He's a little bit older, a little bit more expensive right now. Um, what I don't know though is Jameer. I don't know that he, I mean, Jameer. I don't know anybody's gonna trade you. What I think happens if you if you're getting rid of Jameer next year, I think he's on the team to begin the year. He's probably your third point guard. Whoever your one and two is, he's the last guy on the bench. He's one of those guys who's not dressing, kind of filling a Mike Miller role right now. Even though I don't think Jameer has any interest in doing that. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think he's no. probably just kind of unhappy. Jameer's kind of unhappy there, uh, you know, and just biding his time because at the trade deadline, a team like a Cleveland, a team like maybe a San Antonio, you know, who knows, a team that's a major finals contender or right there needs a veteran point guard with playoff experience, so on and so forth. So I would actually say Jameer, if you're waiting until the deadline next season, Jameer is probably the most likely guy I could see getting traded versus a Will Barton or or a Wilson Chandler, um, maybe even Barton because he's got he's got such a Barton contract is so deal. cheap that he can exactly. get you can get him to pretty much any team, but I still think that it's it's easier to do that in the offseason. Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, I think for sure you get him done in the offseason. Still, so the two other guys in there though, the Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari. Um, Getting kind of back to the the season at hand, both those guys uh, are down with with injury right now. Uh, also, Darrell Arthur, who I, I kind of you know when they when they, at the very beginning of the season when we're at media day, uh, and the news kind of comes out, hey, Darrell's just had surgery, you know, and now he's um, he's not going to be ready for training camp, all that kind of stuff. And, he, and what they said it was you know like a meniscus. They kind of had to clean up. I think his meniscus is what they're saying. And it was like yeah. I bet you. I remember thinking right back then. I said, "I bet you this is something Darrell deals with the entire season," because um, it's something that those those knee those knee issues kind of take a full a full off season, if longer, to really get cleaned up. Ryan, how how concerned are you about the uh, about these guys' health? Um, 
and and how much can the Nuggets? I guess can they can can they overcome it down the stretch if Gallo and Chandler specifically are missing large amounts of time? Well, for the last few games, I'm very concerned about their health because of how much production they've been putting in throughout the season. Uh, it's right. very evident that the Nuggets still need Danilo Gallinari scoring down the line, and uh, I. I think Wilson Chandler being as versatile as he is has really helped them when, especially when Gallo has been out. But uh, right. to have both of them out at this point is just is awful. Uh, most of the time, Darrell Arthur isn't suiting up, so I'm not necessarily as worried about him. But you you ask him, hey, you come in and you come d up one of their best front one of the best front court players on the opposing team and that's what he does and that's he's he's had a great role doing that here so especially down the stretch that's a huge loss that is a huge blow for this team uh going into next year necessarily i, d- I don't think so i think that uh, it'll it'll be interesting next year but this year i'm i'm pretty concerned i i don't think that they will I don't think they'll make the playoffs. It's it's like an eighty percent chance that they won't make the playoffs if either of those guys don't suit up for seventy five percent more of the games. Yeah, I would I would typically agree. I think Gallo more so than Chandler, just because he's been playing so good lately. Um, our one of our other writers, Ashley Douglas, wrote a really good piece about how um, how he's you know he's been playing so well right at the perfect time. And then of course he gets this. It's and it, what's always interesting, especially with Gallo, and I, I don't know if they've said which knee it is that he's got. He's dealing with this knee bruise. But obviously, with Gallo, it's always something you, you just just because uh, you know he had the horrific one of the more uh, horrific ACL tears that you see. Um, it's uh, you always are concerned anytime you hear knees and Gallo. Uh, like I said, Durrells, I think we kind of knew uh, was going to be probably something he's going to have to deal with all year. And then Wilson's got the groin, which is always always tricky. A lot of groins this uh, this season for the Nuggets. Um, Gordon, what about you, man? You do you think this is going to be a big, big effect on them? Well, I mean, that's their their entire experience in small forward cadre. That's right. out. Uh, plus, the only power forward they have that plays defense. So, yes, yes. It, it matters to them, absolutely. Um, it, it changes the complexion of your team. You know, it changes how you can actually play. But Darrell Arthur is going to be like this for the rest of his career. Like, yeah. I don't, this is who they resigned. It's why I was leery of resigning him. Um, the thing is, about, I guess, the only thing I can think about how DA can make it back, I think it's like it might be one of those things. And we're obviously speculating here. I mean, nobody really knows what's going on, especially with his knee. Other than he's been dealing with knee soreness all season long, but maybe it might be DA might be one of those guys who just ends up having to go to surgery and uh, missing a season, you know, just to to actually finally get it right. And that's possible. And again, we we got a discount on his contract in order right. to, uh, you know, because we knew he was going to be like this, and he's been like this. So they just expect it. That's why we need to have a lot of um, power forward depth. Uh, but for for Chandler and Gallo, like we need at least one of them. They can't both be out. Like the whole point yeah. of we have been paying a superstar salary to the two of those guys. They're making what twenty eight million combined. Yeah, and and we only ever get one of them on the court. Like that, yeah. it it's been an issue for Denver forever that you're forever, paying. This season, up until this point, this season, for the most part, I mean, they missed a little bit of time here and there, both of them, but for the most part, we actually had that. I mean, that, that's that been our starting front court for, uh, really, maybe since, like, January up until now, right? That's true. 
but now of course they're both out together again. Both out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, because know, even though we have two of them, you still have none of them. <laughs> exactly. But so again, I guess yeah, I agree. You need one of the two, and I think the thing what really is is you need two of the three uh, when it comes to Gallo. Uh, Chandler, and then also Kenneth Freed. So Kenneth Freed, of course, he finally um, he gets back. He's been dealing with back spasms really ever since, since before the All Star break. Uh, he finally gets back on the court, and it's funny is it's everybody was wondering, well, where is it, where is Kenneth Freed going to fit once he gets healthy in this rotation? And then of course Gallo and Chandler go out, so it's not even an issue. Um, Ryan, what are your impressions so far on Freed since he's been back? Uh, well, Adam Mars had a good podcast a couple of nights ago, or last night, whatever it was, uh, about the fit of Kenneth Fareed with both Nikola Jokic and Mason Plumley. I'm a little bit more down on the fit with Mason Plumley than I am with Nikola Jokic. Doesn't leave you with a lot of shooting, right? Yeah, it's it's a little bit harder to figure out. One of them needs to be playing up high and one of them needs to be playing down low, and too often they get caught in the same place, kind of like a J.J. Hicks and Kenneth Fareed combo. But, uh, sure. I, yeah, which That's is, a good combo, which is yeah. Sad. Uh, <laughs> but... I'm still high on Farid, especially uh, with Jokic, with Mason Plumlee. If those those two are the guys, they're going to be on the team uh, for the next few years. And I definitely think that Farid complements both of them in certain ways that nobody else in the NBA can do. Uh, with, with what Farid has and his game is being so without the ball and not not demanding the basketball and instead being a recipient when the time is right. That's that's all for Reed's game. And as I, I'm not sure if they're going to continue going with that, he'll probably still be in on the trade block and if, if a team wants him for the right price sure. they'll probably be able to get him. But we'll just have to see how that goes. I definitely think that he shouldn't be the priority to trade this offseason. I like his fit long term. Uh we'll see what happens when he gets older and He'll have a little bit less explosiveness, especially with this back problems. Uh, yep, that's that's another concern that people should have. Yep, Gordon. Um, I guess what about you, man? Is it uh, is Kenneth Freed? Do you think he's long term? Is he a long term guy for us, um, or, or are you kind of on the, on the idea that maybe Kenneth is? Another guy you, you you look about moving on from here shortly. If sooner if they could have gotten anything for Kenneth, they would have gotten it already. Yeah, so at true, that right? point, he's on a very reasonable contract. He brings a lot of skill and energy for the things that he does, um, and he has shown more willingness to pass. Mm-hmm. He has shown like and, and ability, not just willingness. Um, Kenneth yeah. Freed passing has been a surprise for me this year. It's been great to see. So even if he never comes around defensively, he's giving you a passing, rebounding, energetic, you know, front court demon uh, for twenty minutes a game. That's fine. That yeah. you know. If I could ditch Darrell Arthur, who doesn't play, for Kenneth Reed, who, unless he has a back issue, does play, that, you right. know, yeah. a big deal. So, hey, I mean, Darrell yeah, Arthur I, was I, the three-point assassin earlier this season. Don't well, yes, absolutely. But uh, we have other guys that can do that. Yeah. Not you know Mr. Plumley, yeah. obviously, but, no. you know, <laughs> other guys. <laughs> right. Watch her See, here's the thing. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, he definitely could be a three-point assassin. Um, the thing about Fareed is, like, so I'm with you, like, 20 minutes a game, but also, like, off the bench. Because here's the thing. We talked about, like, we've all talked about, hey, maybe they should probably have Gallo come back, or they should, they should at least, uh, I think we all kind of agree, that would be a prudent move for the right price, of course, uh, for the Nuggets to do is to bring Gallo back, uh, especially if you can move on from guys like Wilson Chandler and Will Barton. 
uh, Jameer Nelson. Maybe not even all three of those. Maybe a pair of them. But here's the problem. So if I don't, I hate the the defensive lineup of Jokic, uh, Fareed, and Gallo. Like that, I think that you're never gonna have a good defense um, with those three guys as your your center and your forwards. Uh, so, but if you get Fareed has always been a guy who I think he just I mean, I think he 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 fits next to Jokic so well. But he's always been a guy who just frustrating because he has the athletic ability. Uh, he's got the size and the strength to be a good defender. If he could ever kind of get that that Draymond Green mentality, uh, he would. He's got the body to do it, but I just don't think he ever does. And that's why I think he's got to be a guy who comes off the bench if Jokic is your starter and Gallo is your starter. Because and those both guys probably are. I don't think you put either one of those guys on the bench. See, I still think I still think that what they're going to do with Farid is what they were doing a little earlier in the year, which is somebody starts for four minutes at the three, comes out or at the four. Uh, Reed then comes in and blows it up, or Reed starts for four minutes and then he leaves. It's going to be a weird rotation with right. with Reed to make sure that he's still playing with some of the starters because his he's good with the starters. His um, he and Jokic work amazingly well together. You don't necessarily want him with the lack of shooting that Plumlee brings for the entire time he's out there. Sure. So uh, I expect it to be a. It's not going to be a standard. You play your starters for the first ten minutes, and then you switch them out for the the bench. You know, hockey hockey line gym. They're not going to do that. That's not going to be a thing. It's still going to be. Uh, don't don't put tweak. it past Coach Malone. Hey, well, I know he loves hockey shifts. He does do some interesting shifts every now and then. Or he doesn't shift them at all. About it. He's like, yeah, yeah exactly. Jimmy can play twenty minutes. It's fine. <laughs> he exactly. played you know twenty two well, or twenty four minutes last night. That's just absurd. Uh, yeah, well, Barton, well, Barton only played shifts. Uh, the night before that, when he finished career high, one was 17 plus minutes, one was 18 plus minutes. He didn't. That was it. And when he does, when he gets that hot, he can be. When he gets that hot, it's fine. And like, like I, I totally understand that if you're going to put up 35 points in that stretch. But uh, with this team, Malone has going to have to be a little bit more creative with his rotations than that. I thought that Mike D'Antoni, just watching what he did last night with with Nene and their front court and. I thought it was really interesting what he was able to do. There were times where he played Capella, there were times where he played Nene, and then there were times where he played Ryan Anderson as a small ball center. And yep. the, they're going to have to get a little bit more creative, especially in the backcourt uh, with Jamal Murray, with uh, with uh, Jameer Nelson. He's He's been playing a lot of minutes, and I don't think that he's going to be able to do that for a lot more. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting I'm... to see what he does. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think Coach has kind of shown he, he's kind of settled in a comfort zone right around like about an eight-man rotation. That's uh, that's kind of what the, also the injuries have kind of forced him to do because uh, he's not going to play Mike Miller. He's not going to play Malik Beasley. He's not going to play Roy Hibbert. I don't think he trusts show, anybody else. Well, and yeah, and he's not going to play Emmanuel Moutier, right, because I, I don't think he has the trust there either. I think you're exactly right. I mean, he probably trusts Mike Miller, but he's not going to play Mike Miller. <laughs> that's not what he's on yeah. the team to do. Um so I think is what's funny is if if they get everybody gets healthy right if well if, if Wilson um, and Chandler get healthy because I think Da is on the outside looking in anyways uh, as long as Fareed's healthy uh, it really comes down to the decision of who plays backup point guard and it's either going to be Jamal Murray or Will Barton I think those are the two guys you basically are making a decision with um, with everybody healthy because you're not going to sit Wilson Chandler uh, you're not going to sit. Uh, Wilson Chandler, or Kenneth Free, one of those two guys is your is your backup forward. 
Uh, obviously, you're not going to sit Mason Plumlee. He's the backup center. So you got one backup guard to play in an eight-man rotation, and that's either um, that's either Burton or, Mur- or Barton or Murray. Uh, so I don't know. I it's it, but you're right, Ryan. He's going to have to coach is going to have to figure it out because I think both I think Gallo and Chandler are probably you'll you'll see. Obviously, I don't think either one of those guys are down for the year. Um, so I think at this they, point that Barton has earned the trust over Murray. Uh, and that's that's kind of yeah. sad because Murray has been playing as well as he has for the last few games, and they, he's he's had a really positive well, stretch coming out. Last night, Fair. So, Murray wasn't playing very well. Well, neither of them did. Barton and Murray had a night. Yeah, it was it was kind of rough, but uh, Murray over this like as he's been given more minutes and. He's like throughout the month of March, he's been playing pretty well, I would say. And this was kind of, this was probably the worst game that he's played over that stretch. And that's, I mean, it's it's hard to yeah. uh, to take away minutes for one game. And because if if we are doing that, then Barton should be the one that should be receiving the less minutes. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, but, but all those all those vets get trust, man. Like. That's, that's Malone really is true. such a trust guy. He is a trust we, guy. We've always we we always mocked uh, George Carl being a trust guy. You hey, know, I but got, I got uh, I got some uh, groundbreaking analysis for you guys. All coaches are trust guys. Yep. <laughs> that's unless that's unless you're it goes. in a situation unless you're in a situation like uh, like the Sixers are or something where you know they can come out and they can tell uh, what's Coach Brett Brown. Uh, they can tell him, uh, look, we're we have no expectations of making the playoffs this year. Next year, however many years it's going to take, we're in this for the long term. Go out and play the kids. Unless you have that overall mandate, which definitely Coach Malone does not have that mandate, um, then they're going to, they're going to go with the guys they trust every time. Um, let me ask you this, guys. Uh, we'll go ahead and get kind of wrap up here. Um, we've already kind of talked about how they're going to close out the season, but uh, what is it? I guess the thing I wanted to, I want to finish up with a good little conversation on is. If the Nuggets, Gordon, I'll ask you first, man. If the Nuggets don't make the playoffs, would you consider the season still to be successful? This season is a blazing, blinding success because they figured out they have a superstar. Everything else is immaterial to me, honestly. Like, they figured out that Jokic is the man. That's one. Put it in the ground. He's fine. Cross that off the bucket list. Now you're trying to figure out who plays around him. Everything you do should be centered around what do we need? You, you can work on what he needs to grow on, but pretend that he's always going to be an indifferent defender and work out what you need to do to make that work as a passing center, crazy number one offensive league. Okay, that's it. He's fine. The season's a success. You know, <laughs> honestly, yeah, no, like, uh, I, I you totally, found your guy. Man, I totally agree with you uh, 100%. Uh, that's I was I think it was on, on Mile High Sports Radio a couple maybe like a week or two ago and I, that's what they asked and I said it doesn't matter if they make the playoffs or not it's a it's a successful season because simply because you found Nikola Jokic you've you've we all kind of had this idea last year because the uh, all of his advanced metrics were off the charts and um, you could kind of see you could see the flashes you could see the flashes in the passing which is his signature. Well, Malone didn't have that idea. Malone was like, yeah. "What?" It's so bizarre. Yeah, that's true. Remember, he he said, "I remember media day two years ago, uh, Jokic's rookie season." He said, "Yeah, Nikola probably won't really play much at all." Uh, and then and then remember, like Joffrey Nurkic is hurt, of course, with the knee injury, and then what Joffrey gets like his face destroyed. Yeah, um, 
And so, so Jokic ends up playing, and uh, I remember that. And uh, and he ends up. He, he, we see the flashes, but, but I remember seeing Jokic back in summer league, uh, his rookie season, and, and just some of those those passes, those those cutters, and and the cutters have got just one step on their guy, and Jokic uh, just drops that pass perfectly in there. You could see it all the way back then, but you're right, Gordon. This season, though, you finally see it come to fruition. The guy has five triple doubles, um, which is. It gets kind of lost in the shuffle, I think, this season because you got Russell Westbrook and James Harden, even LeBron James. Uh, but that, it's abnormal. We you don't see that as much in in Jokic's five triple doubles is is a, an incredible stat. Like I said, from a center, uh, the last guy to do it was David Robinson. All these back in the eighties, David Robinson's of course a Hall of Fame center. Um, Ryan, what about you, man? Is it is the season a success simply because they they figured it out with Jokic? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it. Probably give it an A minus at this point. Like the goal number one, as Gordon and you have said, is find a superstar, and that is Nikola Jokic. That is that is the easy. Well, it's it's not easy clearly, but that's that's step one in this process. And they they had an opportunity, I think, to get a head start on steps two and three, which is to develop the the supporting cast around him. And they've done that mostly. They they've they've played Gary Harris. They played. I mean. Jamal Murray isn't necessarily starting, but they played Jamal Murray a lot of minutes this year, so I'm not really yeah. worried about him. He'll probably assume the starting role next year. Hey, and, and you know what? And what we can say right now is just because uh, you're a seventh overall pick and you're 19 years old and you get a ton of minutes and get to be the starter the whole season does not necessarily mean it's going to work it out for you. It is not indicative uh, <laughs> of future success. True story. Exactly. Also, um, we had uh, Gary Harris, you know, his rookie didn't play much yes. at all. He's been just fine. And Wancho's going yes. Gary Harris minutes route this year, and he will play just fine. Oh, he's going to be so good. Than, than Harris looked in Harris's rookie year. Dude, like, Wancho is, man, Wancho is like, oh, the guy, the guy, I, you know, okay, um, well, first let me tell, ask you about this, or I want to talk, because you said, you mentioned Gary Harris. Um, the other reason I would say a big reason to why you can call this season a success is because Gary Harris has shown that he is a starting two guard without yes. a doubt. Yes. You know, there's, I mean, and he's been, he's been, in my opinion, you know, he's absolutely the third best player on the team this season. Uh, you got Jokic, you got Gallo, and then you got Gary, and I think you could probably yep. make an argument that Gary might be the second best player on the team. Absolutely. Um, Gary Harris has been amazing um, ever since coming back from that knee injury. I wish he'd been healthy all year. If he'd been healthy all year, the Nuggets would be competing for the sixth seed. Like that'd be fine. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> that's absolutely. all. That's amazing, and it's it's totally true though. Like you can definitely see the change that this team underwent, not just when Jokic became the focal point, but when Gary Harris allowed him to become the focal point. Like, he's a guy that, right. it, as opposed to a Will Barton who's going to dominate the ball, Gary Harris is all about not dominating the ball and letting somebody else mm-hmm. doing the work for him most of the mm-hmm. time. But what yeah, we absolutely. what we have he's... seen of late, which is kind of interesting, is Gary Harris is taking taking guys off the dribble. I, he he had a step back. He's rising up off the dribble and hitting jumpers. So there, assists. there's the assists from Harris. Absolutely, there are a lot of opportunities for Harris to continue growing as a player, and we always forget that he's 22 because the way that he plays is not so. So I am I am very high on him. I think that the Murray Harris backcourt is going to be one of the best for years to come, and that's a, that's a really big deal because the Nuggets right now their forward situation currently is good, but. It, over the next couple of years, it, it may not be as so. 
There's also a lot of elite backcourts uh, in the West already. I mean, uh, obviously you got uh, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson is is the set in the set in the bar. But I mean, you know, even Portland, C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, uh, Houston's got plenty of firepower in their backcourt with. Uh, just Harden alone, and then um, you know. Oh also well, Oklahoma you've City. got you've got the guys off the bench there, and you've got Patrick Beverly as yeah. a perfect complement. Right. So I would definitely oh, yeah. put them in, in the top three of backcourts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing about um, one of the things about about Gary Harris too, though, is is he's he's showing consistency suddenly. Suddenly, Gary Harris is not. Um, you know, like we said, his rookie year, he had no consistency. He shot like twenty percent from three. It was terrible. Uh, but he has lately been not only just a, a key piece of, of the, the starting lineup, he's been one of the guys that they rely on for production. I mean, in the past, he scored double figures for, let me see, six of the last seven games. Uh, and of those, the lowest was 12. Otherwise, he's got a 15-point game, a 17-point game, a 20-point game, 24-point game, 26-point game. Wow. Uh, he's become a huge part of what the Nuggets are doing doing and I still think he's got the ability uh, I know he's got the ability I still think he's going to be um, a a good defender maybe not like a great lockdown defender but I think he's going to be uh, a good defender for them he's a big part of their of what they do you know another stat I'll give you guys we were talking about Wancho and I wanted to bring this up 45.9% on 85 attempts, so that's not that's a, it's a decent chunk. That is what Wancho is shooting from three. Uh, he owns the right wing. Owns it. Three, three <laughs> per, That is that is insane. What is uh what's Otto Porter at right now? Right, he's leading the. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Otto, he's he's probably leading the, leading the league with about 46. percent All right, let's check it here. I can do this one real quick. Otto is currently shooting uh, 44.9. So Wancho's actually shooting better. Uh, Otto, of course, has taken about 300 attempts to the 85 that Wancho has taken. Um, Gordon, how excited are you about Wancho, man? Wancho's my dude. I, I love the way that guy plays. Um, I cannot wait for him to get more minutes. I thought it's been fairly criminal that he didn't. I desperately wanted to trade somebody at the deadline so Wancho could get more minutes. Yep. That The fact that the Nuggets keep hitting on these mid-round draft picks is damn impressive. Like, Gary Harris... Is at number 19 is an absolute steal. Wancho right. at number 16 in a draft where most of the players have been fairly infectious is a steal. You know, they, they, heck, Beasley hasn't played, you know, and Beasley, for all I know, is going to come out next year and look like Will Barton. You know, <laughs> it, like. they just, it's been incredible, but Wancho. Has, is perfect for what they're looking for for that stretch combo forward um, to keep the thing forward. He, he's a great rebounder. Um, he's bigger than you think that he is. He has this, a little bit of that gallo in his game where you see him standing next to some people in the post. He's taller than Ryan Anderson. Like, right. yeah. Wancho's a bigger guy than you think he is. So you give him a, a couple years in a weight room um, and he's going to be really impressive. I want them to find a defensive wing play next to him yeah um, he, oh, I but agree. I, if... yeah i think he's going to be the next he's the next version of gallinari for the team so yep. they just have to figure that out yep i think and i agree with you 100 i think if you find uh you know watch guy even coach said at the beginning of the scene he's a four he's more of a four than a three 
um, and he can kind of play that. But I think I think Wancho's he's definitely can play the three as well. And I think you're right, Gordon. You put a you put a, a stingy defender, a, a really that lockdown wing defender. I think you put a lockdown wing defender. Um, Next to next to Wancho, who's got who p- puts in the effort and is not a bad defender in his own right. I think Wancho could be a very good defender too. Um, just like I said, I said Gary Harris. I think could be could be a good defender. I think Jamal Murray can also be a good defender. I don't I don't think Jamal's ever uh, again not a not like a Patrick Beverly type of player. Um, but but he, somebody he could who, be he could be Steph Curry like uh, you know. Well, well, don't I, 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 point point uh, defensive. I'm not talking off. Let me no 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 no. Let let me tell you if he's as good as Steph Curry is defensively, then we're in trouble because I don't really think Steph Curry is all that good defensively. I, think I don't Steph think he's that good either. He's passed number two defense. He's passed. He's part of the number two defense in the league. So exactly. all he can be at point guard is passing. Yeah, but I think I think Steph benefits from playing next to guys like Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, uh, Draymond Clay Green. Thompson came, Clay Thompson came out of college and was a terrible. He's he great defender now, though, man. He's I'm he's really saying, improved. Like, there's some there's some Look, all I'm saying is I've seen Emmanuel Moutier, uh flat out just make Steph Curry look stupid on defense. So that that that's my that opinion. I was just saying that I, is sad. <laughs> Steph Curry is uh, I've always never been impressed by him. Him, he, I don't think he really can stay in front of anybody. But, I'm just uh, saying I don't need I don't need Murray to be great for their defense to be able. to. Yeah, right, and, and that's and you know and that's a very good example, right? It is that it's, so we can both agree on that. Even if I think you know Steph's not that great, but like we said, they're they're the best, second best defense in the league. So it goes to show you, you don't need that point guard to be the absolute best defender in the world for your team to, team to be uh, still be very good defensively. And also, if you look at the Warriors, it's not like they've got. I mean, they got Javale McGee, all right, but they don't really have a. Rim protecting, big Correct. sitting back there, you know, patrolling the paint, covering up mistakes either. So it goes to show you, you get a guys guys with some athletic wings who can who can be you know put in the effort and and have the size uh, and mentality to be good defenders. And you put it, of course, they've got a guy like Draymond though. That's the big thing for them, right? They've got this guy who's just an absolute bull on defense. Um, oh, and that's and, why I'm looking for a guy. I would love OG and an OB to be like be the guy he's, if his knee is okay i just want a medical on the guy like yeah i watched him in college and he is outstanding oh, i yeah. think if his knee is okay if his knee is 100 percent okay and, and all the teams know that i don't think he's there uh when the nuggets draft well it depends so, on actually the i i disagree with that just taking a look at this yeah. draft this draft is stacked man like there's, yeah i think there is no reason true. for og to be drafted in the in before 15 and that is a really really impressive thing because og is very very talented on the defensive end he's he's yeah he's absolutely he'd be great you know we could do maybe we'll do that well obviously at some point we'll do a pickaxe about about the draft um but we've gone for over an hour again here so i tell you what i think we're going to wrap it up um, we're gonna wrap it up with that, Gordon. Once again, man, appreciate it, and uh, you know, uh, happy. Why did you make it, Ryan? <laughs> we're glad, <but> yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Ryan, we're happy you decided to join us. Uh, excellent conversation, is as always, guys. Um, check us out, DenverStiffs.com. Uh, we're on the web uh, on Twitter at DenverStiffs. I'm at Zach Mikars. Z a c h m i k a s h. Gordon, you are at G Money Nugs. Yep, that's correct. And two then, G's, uh, two G's, two G's, no Z. Uh, Ryan Blackburn, you're Ryan Blackburn nine, right? That's right. 
That's right, because only the ninth Ryan Blackburn, man. You got to work on that. You got to try and get. Up I don't know how. Blackburn I don't six. even remember the story of the nine, but it, <laughs> it's something I haven't changed, and it's something I will probably never change. It's there. You go. I like it. I like it. All right, guys. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back next week, and uh, go Nuggets. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.